0: You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show Wednesday edition. Our guest today, Cody we for breaking down the Broncos offseason. Some big decisions to make on the defensive side of the ball is Drew Locke, the quarterback of the future for the Denver Broncos. Cody will break all of that down for us today. Uh, First, there is some breaking news around the league about the salary cap. It is finally set an odd time to set it after the franchise tag deadline. But here we are. $182.5 million will be the 2021 salary cap for the NFL at BD Peacock on Twitter at Williamson NFL is where you can find us continue to say hi and drop us questions for next week's Twitter Tuesday and we might hit some more questions Friday after we talk with Lauren Cox about the Bears tomorrow but Matt today this is a little bit surprising and I think you're even more surprised than I am about how low this number ended up coming in it was 180 was the floor 182.5 that is it feels like they could have done more to secure some of the contracts for some veteran players around the league i have a feeling we're going to see a lot more people cut at a 182.5 salary cap
2: yeah i'm a little disappointed to be honest with you i mean but originally they said well the 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 floor is 175 and then recently they said the floor is 180 so at that price you know at that you know pace and all this talk about tv and Ability to, you know, steal from next year's cap and future earnings and whatnot. I was maybe too, obviously too pie in the sky optimistic that it might be 190-ish. But all in all, considering everything we've had to deal with over the almost exactly one year calendar. I mean, it's been exactly a year pretty much since the world shut down. If the worst thing that happens is the salary cap in the NFL goes down 17 and a half million dollars or whatever, it's not so bad.
1: Yeah, Not so bad uh, all things considered. I I don't like the vacuum it's going to create with too many free agents and not enough money this year. Then -hmm. all of a sudden everyone's salary cap situation is going to be pretty good next year unless a bunch of people kick cans down the road and, and put contracts on their credit card. And then there's a whole bunch of money for everybody to spend. And then you see players get too much money and then things just get all out of whack and that's what i don't like is just Mm, no consistency with contracts and what players are making and you have too many players making too much or not enough and then those contracts get cut short too and it just creates this domino effect of bad contracts and because it's not good for anybody to have players not finish out their contracts or not get very close and have extra because too many people are cut already as it is in the nfl with non-guaranteed contracts and adding more to the situation is is what i don't like and so that's that's what I'm disappointed about with with a salary cap that's it's a little bit lower than I was hoping for.
2: Yeah, and as expected, and you've brought this up, and I've talked about it a lot, I really think that agents, and this is what we're going to see from this point going on, expect a lot of one-year deals coming up this up, upcoming year. For all the reasons you mentioned, you know, hey, I'm going to have to take less. I'm going to go to a favorable situation where I can look good on tape for hopefully 16 or 17 games. That's another little side note. Um, And maybe more. And next year when there's a lot more to be spent around the league, I'm going to cash in. And that'll work out well for some. Some, their career will fall off. And, you know, it's the league is still not for long. So I do expect, you know, everyone's listening's favorite teams to get some bargains. But you'll probably have that guy just for a year
1: that's another aspect of this because bumping up to 17 games, that means players should be making more money, right? Whatever percentage that is more More on top of it, and they're going to be making less. So uh, that's a great point. And maybe that's just something that everyone's going to have to do is wait till next year to cash in 2022, 2023 things should be going well and swimmingly cash wise for NFL teams with the new TV contract and fans back in the seats, hopefully in the 2021 season. So You know, in the long run, hopefully everything turns out okay. Just the volatility and the up and down nature of this offseason now versus next offseason is something that I'm not necessarily looking forward to because uh, the the, the league needs a little bit more consistency, I think, on rosters because it just makes teams better. And it helps fans from, you know, because they want fans to spend two hundred dollars on a stinking jersey that player better be around for a little while and fans are going to stop buying jerseys if no players are ever around. So uh, that's just one of the things I don't like about the NFL is how much player movement there already is. And there's going to be a little bit extra and bad contracts. And I don't know, but Hey, the t- a team like the new Orleans saints, we talked about them. That would be the barometer of what this salary cap really means. And if the salary cap is fake and they, they went out and franchise tagged
2: Mars, Marcus Williams.
1: So um, <laughs> right. maybe so it doesn't it is matter. Right. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it doesn't matter at all. Although they did have to cut Emmanuel Sanders today.
2: They did. They did. I mean, I, I was shocked. That, that that happened right after we got done recording. The news just leaked out on Williams. I was like, wow. I mean, he's a really good player, and he deserves it. And But how do they have the money? I mean, he knew Sanders was going to get cut. Fine. That would, probably would have been any year. They could have been cap compliant this year, and he probably would have got let go. But, man, I mean, they are... Master manipulators, criminals—I don't know what you want to call them. You know, however they work the cap money, they should be—they are unbelievable in New Orleans. It is
1: borderline criminal with the, what they're able to get away with, <laughs> right. like putting on a ski mask and somehow, uh, in the middle yeah. of the night, fudging numbers to make sure they get underneath the salary cap. There might be a lot more coming with them, and maybe that's uh, Al Capone's I think,
2: bookmaker or something. You know? And
1: I think there is some of these franchise tags will be players that get re-upped, and maybe that's the plan. Is look, they just wanted more time to talk with Mark. Williams, and maybe they'll try to trade him if they can't get a deal done or, or try to uh, get a long-term deal done that lowers this year's cap number for him and, and you know, backloads maybe. things. So that's the other thing with some of these longer-term contracts. We might see a lot of backloading happening.
2: Yeah, no, that's very true. And that's a good a good example of that is you keep hearing reports that uh, the franchise tag is on Chris Godwin just so they can chat.
1: Right, yeah, just so they can chat and maybe you get something back for him in the end. And you can rescind the franchise tag too, right?
2: I think so, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure if that rule got changed or not. I don't think it did. It's a little bit of dirty poker, though.
1: It is. It is. Oh, I mean, that is really dirty if you, right. if you take a player out of the first wave of free agency, then you rescind the franchise tag.
2: Yeah, that's rough.
1: All right. Let's get to Cody work. Let's talk Denver Broncos. They have a player, Justin Simmons, on the franchise tag. They're trying to get a deal done there. Questions about Vaughn Miller, where are they going to go in the draft, and what's going on with the quarterback of the future in Denver next. We've been telling you for a while about Built Bars, the best tasting protein bar on the market. Low calorie, low sugar, high in protein, high fiber, 100% chocolate covering every single bar. And we've been arguing privately amongst the hosts which Built Bar is the best. Now we get the opportunity to find out what bar is on top. Built Bar madness is upon us. Today's matchup. Banana nut bread versus toffee almond and matchup number two, orange versus peanut butter. I am all about the peanut butter family. I think peanut butter got disrespected that it wasn't the one seed. So I'm easily going peanut butter over orange. I like toffee almond just a hair over banana nut bread but was surprised how much i did like banana nut bread what is your favorite go to builtbar.com to vote or at built underscore bar on twitter remember use promo code locked on 20 to get 20 percent off your next order it's a new promo code locked on 20 to get 20 percent off your next box of built bars Today's guest is Cody Rourke. He is the host of Locked on Broncos, a fascinating team to me this offseason. I talked about it with my mock draft. We, we mentioned it last week a little bit. I, I'm having a hard time figuring out exactly where the Broncos are this offseason, which direction they're headed under head coach Vic Fangio and new GM George Payton. This is not your parents. John Elway led Broncos anymore and where their quarterback situation is most of all, Cody. So hopefully you can give Matt and I and the listeners some clues about maybe the direction you think the Broncos will be headed this offseason
0: yeah I mean it's um you know one of the other things with Denver is just you know the offseason that they've had so far it's been relatively quiet you know the NFL I think that the Broncos amongst you know various other NFL teams have been waiting to see what the NFL salary cap is going to be we know what that is now at 182 million so really only goes up 2 million um and obviously we're still waiting to figure out what the TV deals are but for Denver not too many questions necessarily heading into the offseason for them really outside of the quarterback position with Drew Locke you know is he going to be the guy in 2021 are they going to give him the opportunity to maybe Prove he is or he isn't the guy, or are they looking at maybe drafting or bringing in a free agent quarterback to push? I mean, all those options right now for Denver, they're on the table, Brian and and Matt. And I think one of the things that not a lot of people are, are talking really about you know, everyone there's a section of Broncos fans that want Drew Locke gone. And in my opinion, when you've only played and started in 17 total games, I don't believe that's a big enough sample size to say, Hey, he is or he isn't the guy, unless he was putting up Patrick Mahomes-type numbers, right? But, I mean, the reality, that's the expectation, I think, for all these young quarterbacks on these franchises. they got to put up these numbers according to the fan base, but I still don't think we've seen enough from Drew Locke just yet to say he is or he isn't the guy, and I think he deserves a chance here in 2021.
2: Yeah, this quarterback conversation is obviously the low-hanging fruit with this team, and I can't see moving on from Locke, but I was critical of the Broncos a year ago, for not bringing in an Andy Dalton, I mean, not necessarily a, a massive challenge, but at least a fallback plan and a bird in the hand type of quarterback. They got to do at least something like that, though, don't you think?
0: This yeah, I'll, well, I mean, Jeff Driscoll definitely was not a move that I expected them uh, to push the needle. I mean, it was a very, it was the most surprising move, in my opinion, I think that we saw last year from Denver was Jeff Driscoll. They're bringing him in to, to be the backup to Drew Locke. I mean. That right there kind of told me like, hey, you know, there, there's not really going to be any competition for Drew to right. push him. He's really going to be the guy. Now, this year, I think I think competition is necessary, Matt. I think a guy like Andy Dalton, who will be on the free agency market, is an option that Denver should look into. I mean, Nick Foles, there's a chance that he could also be in there as well. Uh, outside of that, I think Denver needs that to, to push Drew Locke. I think if Drew Locke can beat out a veteran guy that they do bring in, great. Then you're going to have a great mentor for him this season. Uh, but if not, I mean, if Drew Locke can't beat out a veteran guy you bring in, then I think it tells you, okay, he isn't the guy. And then it gives Denver a better idea on how to revamp the quarterback position going into the next season. And I think really that's the that's the emphasis where the organization is looking. I mean, right now they are looking at every option. Free agency is the likely route where they go in terms of bringing in a veteran guy like Andy Dalton, maybe a Nick Foles, maybe even a Jacoby Brissett. Uh, but outside of that, they could also look at the NFL draft, depending on who's available at pick
1: number nine the nine pick is fascinating to me. And I actually had the Broncos in my mock draft. Cody, I know you're a listener of the show, so I'm sure you know this already, but just in case some other folks out there, don't, <laughs> I had the Broncos actually moving up and being proactive to get their quarterback going from nine to four. I don't think that's a huge jump. I think it's something they no. can pay and new GM, George Payton sort of putting his stamp on the team and doing something that really John Elway had struggled to do is find that quarterback of the future. And To me, this is a really good quarterback class, and you mentioned how Drew Locke hasn't shown enough to know he's not the guy, but he hasn't shown enough to know he is the guy either, and I don't think the Broncos are a team that can afford to bow out of this quarterback class because they're a team that was held back, I think, at that position quite often the last few years, and you can't go passing on a future franchise quarterback for Drew Locke, and then you find out, oh yeah, Drew Locke is just the pedestrian guy and just middle of the road quarterback. He's not going to take us anywhere. And now your coaching staff's fired. Now you're doing it all again next year.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's been the issue in Denver. It's been a constant revolving door of offensive coaches and quarterbacks since Peyton Manning has left and, and continuity is the theme that not everybody is discussing. I mean, and also for Drew Locke, here's the argument I'll make for him in a sense, you know, going back to his college days at Mizzou, I believe he was a sophomore year from that point forward, he's in a new offensive coordinator every single year even entering the NFL. I mean, he had Rich Scangarello, and then now he had Pat Shermer. There was a lot of talk that Broncos fans wanted Pat Shermer gone this year. And then, so I entered the argument saying, Hey, then that would be another consecutive year, the eighth consecutive year that Drew Locke would have never had the same OC going into another year. Continuity is so important in the NFL. You can't be consistently changing things up, not to mention it was a pandemic-based offseason. But, uh, you know, I I agree with you there, Brian. I don't think Denver is necessarily out of uh, the mark of being able to move up for a quarterback. I mean, it depends on who they really want. I think Trey Lance for them would be a tremendous reach. I don't think Trey Lance would be necessarily on their radar. Uh, But Zach Wilson, obviously, uh, Justin Fields, those are options I think that Denver would be looking at or – I wouldn't even be shocked if Denver tried to trade with the New York Jets for Sam Darnold. I think that could be a real possibility as well, depending on what they want to do with him. Obviously, Joe Douglas is going to have to make that decision here, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, I I think that the quarterback position has been the most frustrating and probably tiresome topic in Broncos country, but Matt, as you had said too, in comparison, I think George Payton is going to be one of the best things that's ever happened to this organization uh, since John Elway, And, and nothing against John Elway. He was a phenomenal quarterback, and look, what he did as a GM, I mean, it was very unprecedented. He led them to two Super Bowls. He brought in some key talent around him, but his biggest issue I think was really player valuation. I mean, he doesn't have the experience in the scouting department that George Payton does. George Payton came into the NFL as a scout. He worked his way up into an administrative role. He understands talent evaluation. And I tell you, what, I think it's a home run hire for the Broncos. And I'm really excited to see what an actual uh, scouting perspective is, because like I mentioned, John Elway, he was an executive, but he never had that experience that guys like George Payton have had. And obviously, if Rick Spielman can designate and, and delegate a lot of responsibility to George Payton in Minnesota, it says a lot.
2: It's great stuff, and one thing Elway did do, though, was maybe built the best group of pass catchers in the league for the buck. You know, for you know, considering Fant, Sutton, Judy, Hamler are all on their first contract, I might rather have that group than the Chiefs. You know, considering what you pay for them and whatnot, can they get even better than what we've seen from this group? Are they just—is it the tip of the iceberg?
0: Yeah, no, I absolutely think they can get better. Now, you know, the one issue surrounding Jerry Judy that a lot of fans are harping on is, you know, he had drops. I mean, he had a lot of drops last that season. That not worry me. But you know what? That's something that you can improve on. You can get better on. But his route-running ability, his ability to create separation is impeccable. I mean, it's top tier right now in the NFL, and he's only been in the league for an entire year there. If he can just focus on securing that ball, looking it in, and then getting upfield, he's going to be phenomenal. I think he's going to be a top-10 receiver next year. But then in 2020, Denver didn't have Cortland Sutton. They had him one game. Actually, they had him for a half. He tore his ACL in Week 2 against the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's going to be back, and he is such a big play threat that – I mean, I even think that we haven't reached his ceiling yet for as to where he, how good he can actually be. Then you have Tim Patrick, who was one of the most reliable wide receivers for the Broncos last year. He had 79 targets and only zero drops, and he had six touchdown catches. He was a security blanket for any of the three quarterbacks that played last year. And then you throw in a guy like K.J. Handler, who we know his speed is an absolute weapon to be able to use. Now the concern that I have for K.J. Handler – can he stay healthy? You know, we, when we see with some of these smaller and these faster guys, they tend to have a lot of these soft tissue muscle injuries, and, and he dealt with a hamstring uh, for majority of the season. It was something that kind of, you know, plagued him in a sense. But uh, when he's on the field, he, he can get open. He's a weapon. I mean, he can do a lot of different things. So I think Denver the receiving core, Matt, is – I think they're in a really good place. They're really young on offense, but you know what? If you can keep some continuity around them and you can take the next step in 2021, this is an offense that I think could be middle of the pack next
2: year in the NFL. Yeah, was, yeah, I wasn't the biggest Noah Fant guy either, but I think he's really been better than expected, too.
0: Yeah. And, well, and that's the thing, too, is Denver just they, they, the way that they utilize him at the beginning part of the season. It was really confusing to me because the first half against Tennessee in week one, he's having a major half. He has over 80 yards receiving in the first half and a touchdown. And then the second half, they don't even target him. And then the Pittsburgh Steelers game, they don't target him at all in the first half. And then he has a big second half where he has obviously a touchdown, a two point conversion catch, and, you know, he, he helps lead a comeback. But unfortunately, it fell short there. Uh, it was really puzzling to me. And then Noah Fant dealt with an injury. Uh, he suffered an ankle injury against the New York Jets. And then after that, you know, he kind of missed some time. But he was just one of those guys, that if he could stay healthy, I think he could be a, a premier guy in the league. But the way that Denver can utilize him, he's fast, he's physical, and he's big. Uh, I think it bodes well to what they want to do offensively.
1: One more question here about the offensive side of the ball before we get to defense and take a look at what the Broncos might be looking at when free agency officially opens next week. And uh, just another question here on Jerry Judy, because he had such a good rookie season and it gets lost because of the season that Justin Jefferson had and CeeDee Lamb and he was outshined by some other rookies, but he still led the Broncos in receiving yards with 856 on 52 catches as a rookie. And I saw a stat that he was, uh, he had the 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 longest average depth of target among rookie wide receivers at 14 and a half yards or something like that in this class. And and I see Jerry Judy as someone who can get open underneath and and make those catch and runs like he had that long slant that he housed late in the season, 92 yards or whatever it was. And I want to see more of that from Jerry Judy. And I think maybe some of that is a is a factor of Drew Locke and the way he plays the game and maybe a little bit more aggressive judy some of those easy throws because he can get open underneath and i saw so many games when he was wide open and i have huge hopes for jerry judy and i want you to make me feel better about jerry judy matt and i talked about him yesterday as being the guy that we're going to target in our fantasy leagues because i think he's going to be a steal and some of those keeper and dynasty leagues i have a ton of stock of jerry judy because i had him as my top receiver last year just a hair one spot they were literally back to back in my on my big board with with C.D. Lamb, it was really tough to separate him. I thought the top speed did it for me with Jerry Judy, and we saw it with that breakaway catch and run. I want to see more of that. Am I right about Jerry Judy, that he's a lost a little bit and the conversation shouldn't be over about him potentially being the best wide receiver from that class? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there
0: is still a case for that. And, and look, I would say Justin Jefferson, you know, it, it, I think he really benefited from having an experienced quarterback like Kirk Cousins. I mean, he was one of those premier guys. He was one of those guys that could, you know, obviously get downfield. Jerry Judy can do that. But I think Denver's issues in having so many different quarterbacks play for them. I mean, think about it. You had Drew Locke week one, and then he leaves in the first quarter week two. Then you have Jeff Driscoll. And then the next week you have Brett Rippon. I mean, Jeff Driscoll plays against Tampa Bay, gets benched in the fourth quarter. And then after that, you get, you know, Brett Rippen. For a week, then he get Drew Lock back? But those guys never really got their chemistry down with each other. We know how important that is, Brian. I mean, in terms of quarterback receiver, you gotta get that. He also and played I think a week without him. a
1: quarterback. <laughs> yes, Kendall. <laughs> I I mean, forgot Kendall about that. Hinton, oh my god, <laughs> I felt bad
0: for Kendall Hinton there. Yeah. You know, but you know, there oh, was man. nothing. There was nothing you can do in that regard. There, but you know, Brian, as you mentioned that that Week Seventeen match against the Raiders at ninety-two yard uh, catch and run for a touchdown. That's what Jerry Judy can do. I think we'll see a lot more of that in twenty twenty one. I think the offense will be a lot better with the second year of continuity. You know, I think regardless of who the quarterback is, they have the personnel around the offense, I think, to be successful. Uh, And it's all about can they run the ball, though? That's their issue. If they can run the ball really well, the passing game will open up, and I think they'll be very good.
1: More with Cody Rourke coming up. We want to talk defense, want to talk free agency and the Broncos' plan in 2021 to get out of the cellar of the AFC West. It is tourney time. March Madness is upon us. And of course, bet online. .ag is all over it. Props, totals, brackets, whatever you want to get involved in, you can at Bet Online. when it comes to March Madness in the college basketball tournament. There is football futures. NFL drafts, where will Deshaun Watson play in 2021? Where will Russell Wilson play in 2021? NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. BetOnline even covers awards shows, TV shows, reality TV, real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. And don't forget to use promo code LOCKEDON for your welcome deposit bonus. Table games? You like to play poker? Blackjack? Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code either. LOCKEDON to receive 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit Bet online, your online sportsbook experts.
2: Cody, let's chat a little defense. I am a firm believer that people forget how good of a defensive mind Vic Fangio is. Like when you become head coach, sometimes you just kind of focus on the head coach stuff. But because of his presence, I almost believe this will be an upper half defense pretty much no matter what players he has.
0: Yeah, I mean, Vic, last year we saw a decimated Denver defense. You lose Jarrell Casey, you lose Von Miller before the season even begins. You lose Mike Purcell, who is a you know key anchor on your interior defensive line. And you lose A.J. Bouye for a few weeks as well to start the season. Denver was able to navigate through that and they were still able to put up numbers and and be a very effective defense. I mean, even in the, the first five weeks of the season, they were a top they were a top five unit defensively, and they were able to find ways to adjust. Defense has been their strong suit. They were able to make those adjustments, and I think that some of the holes that Denver has so far going into the season, if they can bolster that, add some more talent there, look, I think they have a chance to be a top five defense once again. Now, injuries ultimately caught up to them. Bryce Callahan got hurt down the end of the season. Uh, A.J. Bouye was suspended for six you know, for six games for uh, you know, NFL violation there, and then they were just really just trying to figure out who they have. I mean, that secondary was so decimated outside of Justin Simmons, Kareem Jackson, they had Parnell Motley, an undrafted rookie free agent that I know that Brian, you have a little bit of insight on as well. They had him start opposite of Michael Ojemudia, and then they had also, you know, uh, gosh, who was they had Will Parks come back and play the nickel towards the end of the season. They were just absolutely decimated, but they're still putting up numbers. They're still executing. They even almost went into Kansas City and beat the Chiefs. I mean, I was very pleased with how di- uh, Vic Fangio rallied that defense despite all of the injuries that they had. Uh, it, it just goes to show how good of a coach Vic Fangio is and, and even the players and players that I've spoken to. I you know, have an opportunity on lockdown Broncos to interview Malik Reed, uh, Shelby Harrison. And they even said, like, you know, Vic is a phenomenal coach. He puts us all in a position to succeed. And and there's buy-in. I think that's the most important thing.
1: Oh, Malik yeah. Reed was one of my favorites, one of my sleepers coming out of the draft. So I love seeing him play big for... Uh, The Broncos defense, especially with Von Miller out. What's the latest on the Von Miller situation? Can you break this down for me? Because there's multiple layers and levels to what's going on with Von Miller. Will he be back? Is he going to be that guy again for the Broncos coming off the edge? Well, I do think Vaughn will be back. Now, right now, the
0: hang up obviously that they have six or seven days, you know, by the March 17th deadline to be able to figure out what they want to do with this club option. As of right now, he's set to make 18 million in 2021, which is a lot of money for a one-year deal. So uh, that counts a lot against the cap. But right now, the, the talk around Dove Valley is that Vic uh, Vic Fangio, George Payton, they want Vaughn Miller back. Now there was a hold up in terms of the Parker Police Department. They were investigating something, they referred it to the DA's office. No charges were filed. So now he's clear of that. Denver was waiting on that. That was one of their hangups. But, but as of right now, George Payton and Joey Brandon, they are working on trying to figure out if they can extend Von Miller or restructure his contract to bring him back to Denver. But the ideal nature is that they want Vaughn to retire as a Denver Bronco. There was mutual interest. I had an opportunity to sit down with Ian Rappaport and we were able to talk about it. And he even said, look, the Broncos want him back. Von wants to be back. I don't necessarily believe it's about money, Brian and Matt. I, I believe for Von Miller, it's about legacy. That was really something big for him coming into 2020. But then right before the season starts, he has that really just freak ankle injury. It sidelines him. So I think that legacy is important. I imagine we might see him even take a pay cut to come back. But uh, obviously that's going to happen within the next week or so. We're going to figure out if Vaughn will really be back. But the talk right now suggests that he will.
2: Cody, I mentioned that I'm such a big fan of what uh, Fangio does schematically and on the defensive side of the ball from a coaching perspective. And one of his strengths with his scheme is – he doesn't ask – he doesn't need a ton from his corners. You know, he doesn't leave them in really uh, brutal positions compared to other defensive schemes around the league. But still, a high percentage of the mocks you look at nowadays have either Caleb Farley or Patrick Sertain go into Denver with their first-round pick, and that still makes perfect sense to me. I mean, they're uh, the way this draft sets up versus their team needs, that, that adds up very well. Do you have a preference between those two, and do you think corner – is the direction they should go all things being equal.
0: Well, oh, I do think that corner is an area they need to address, whether it be free agency. You know, my personal preference was that they bring in a veteran option to, mm. to help okay. with that young room because you have second year cornerback Michael Ojimudi. You have Bryce Callahan coming back to play in the nickel. Um, I, I would love a guy like Patrick Peterson. I'm not sure what's going to happen there in, in uh, Arizona with him and, and things like that. Cheeto Bayouzier is going to be on the free agency market. Even a Witherspoon from San Francisco would love him in Denver and Vic Fangio system. But outside of that, in the NFL draft, I think Caleb Farley is a very athlete athletic. Athletic and and playmaker at the cornerback position. My concern is obviously the injury history. We don't have a recent year of tape from him. The recent tape we have is from 2019. You know, could he have regressed a little bit? What was he doing, you know, in between all that stuff? Those are the questions I have. Patrick Sertain, I'm a big fan of. You know, a lot of people are saying, well, hey, he's not really a Vic Fangio scheme fit. I was like, I I don't understand what you mean. They're like, well, because he he's not a really a good zone cover corner. I was like, have you watched Alabama? They play a lot of cover four, and they also play mad yeah, coverage right? at times. He is a good fit for Vic's defense, and as you mentioned, Matt, Vic's not going to put his corners in any unprocured situations. He's going to utilize them, I and I think Patrick Sertain, he's got those All-American traits, the size, the speed, the athletic ability, but he's also super smart. He's cerebral. He'll be in a good position to make good plays, uh, and I think that's where the Broncos' defense lies. I think they go veteran option and free agency, and then maybe they draft one, and look, I, I'm not even opposed to the Broncos looking at J see horn either i think is a very exciting young talent that maybe could blend well in denver system but i'm also not sleeping on parnell motley uh, who the broncos acquired off the san francisco 49ers practice squad towards the end of the season i really liked what i saw from him in their week 17 game against the las vegas raiders he's a guy that has heart and hustle he was also an undrafted gem he could be one of those guys at denver once again undrafted gems they might find their way to to make them into stars we'll see
1: cody last one for me if you were Advising our friends at Bet Online about what the odds should be for which player gets drafted at number nine by the Denver Broncos. Would it be one of the quarterbacks? Would it be one of the corners? Would it be a different position that maybe is a dark horse that we're not talking about? How would you rank those top three or four guys that you think will end up being Broncos in April?
0: Well, you know the the hunch that I have is cornerback, but to be honest with you, there's also another position. I think we saw it in the Super Bowl that I think bodes well to the success of the NFL in terms of defense wins championships. You have to have a versatile, fast, athletic, smart, instinctual cover linebacker Micah Parsons out of uh, Penn State is one of those guys there and obviously there are some character concerns that I, I'm not quite sure where they're at right now in terms of NFL teams doing the background on that um but his speed and his I mean he ran a 4-4 according to the uh the combine numbers that they were doing at the university so that to me tells you you can have that we saw Devin White, Levante, David do that against the NFL's best offense in the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl and in Vic's defense I think you really have to have one of those guys and if he did. I think they'd be even better um, as a defensive unit.
2: Yeah, Cody, I was just about to let you go, and then you said that. And Fangio's history, I mean, Roquan Smith, I mean, everywhere he's been, they've invested in second-level every-down defenders.
0: Yes, and it goes back to his days in San Francisco. And I think yep, that yep. for Denver to do that, look, they're going to they're gonna put a second-round tender on Alexander Johnson. He'll be back. Josie Jewell was one of those guys that emerged as a surprise player at the linebacker position for them. But they need a coverage guy when they go in their dime package. And I think that they have an in-house guy in Justin Stern out of Wake Forest who didn't play in 2020. Not quite sure where he's at yet, but if Denver's really sold on a guy like Micah Parsons to maybe come in and be that guy, I wouldn't be opposed to it.
2: Yeah, all those guys you listed, they could all be Robin, to Parsons, Batman, and now you're talking. Yes,
0: it'll be fun to watch.
1: I like that. That's that's a fun sleeper there. And I'm just so tired of seeing corner go every single mock draft to the Broncos at pick <laughs> right, nine. Right. And I feel like it's it's happened so I think often that's going to happen now that it can't happen. Right. They, they can't draft Caleb Farley at nine because it's just too common of a mock draft pick. And it's never that easy. And this draft season, this offseason is going to be even wilder than than ever. I, I think we're going to be blown away on draft day how different some of these draft boards look to the consensus that we've developed right now.
0: Yeah, and I think Denver, honestly, I wouldn't even rule out them trading back. They've had a history doing that. When I look at George Payton and I look at Minnesota, the moves they've maneuvered on draft day to be able to acquire more picks, I think Denver's in a position to uh, swap because there's going to be a team maybe in that 10 to 15 range that's looking for a quarterback and maybe they want to trade up and, and get to that spot that Denver's at at number nine. So I imagine there might be some willing and dealing on draft day, which I'm excited, but I promise everybody in the lockdown NFL community, depending on how the board falls when we do our lockdown NFL mock draft as a whole network, uh, we'll see who is available for the Broncos wherever they decide to pick or if I'm going to be you know dicey and maybe trade. So yeah. we'll see well, how hey, it goes. I'm,
1: I'm going to be in charge of the 49ers this year because I haven't been because I've been in charge of the whole mock draft. And I, I don't think I'm going to be doing it that way this year because Matt and I are no longer doing the Locked On NFL show. So maybe I'll be on the horn with you and maybe we can talk trade mm. because uh, and for the listeners out there that haven't heard, it, it's the coolest thing we do as a network every year. The the network wide mock draft. Uh, so much fun. And uh, I'm looking forward to that. And I can't believe how close we're getting to that. It feels like an odd offseason just feels (laughs) weird because there was no combine and I don't have a reference and it's like oh man okay free agency is going to start next week and I'm, I'm not ready for it
0: yeah, no, it's gonna be it's gonna be wild, but Brian, you know the phone lines are always open. I'm willing to negotiate, my friend, and we'll uh, we'll see what happens here in the next month. <laughs> good stuff.
1: That's fantastic, Cody Rourke at Cody Rourke NFL on Twitter. That's that's your Twitter handle, right? At Cody Rourke NFL. I'm yes, sir. At, okay. Good. Yes, I, sir. Straight from memory. That's how that's how close I follow Cody Rourke, the host of Locked On Broncos, and doing the Locked On live Sunday mornings, which is fantastic. Live on YouTube. It's uh, really cool Sunday mornings during the season, but they're even doing it in the off season as well. 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern time, locked on live Sunday morning. Cody and Ross Jackson and uh, other hosts filtering in. I've done it with you guys as well. And it's a fantastic watch. And everyone should go subscribe to that locked on live channel. Cody, thank you so much. Appreciate the time. Thank you so much for having me, gentlemen. I appreciate you. Matt and I back tomorrow here on the Peacock and Williamson show with Lauren Cox, the host of Locked on Bears, another team that's got to figure out quarterback and a number of other things to get over that hump in the NFC North. And no doubt more players probably being cut tomorrow that we will have to cover right here, Peacock and Williamson.